0: Uh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspire Club from Inspiring Workplaces. Uh, I'm your host today, Matt Manners. Uh, Ruth Dance has been in for the past few weeks, uh, doing a much better job than me, so thank you, Ruth. I'm uh, looking forward to, to listening to your, your uh, episodes uh, as, as soon as I, I stop doing mine. Um, but no, it's nice to be back, everyone, um, since I last was on the podcast We've launched Inspire Cities, which are our local communities around the world, bringing face-to-face interaction, trying to change the world together through the world of work. Um, we've had 20 cities at launch from Sydney, New York, London, Stockholm, Yeah, you, know, you, you name it. So I'm hoping to get our guests potentially to, to have a city too, um, but it's really, really exciting to really try and drive change at a local level and, and be part of a bigger, wider movement. So. That's been keeping me, bit, me busy. Um, and, and last week was Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. And um, I, I suppose, you know, I've been talking about it takes courage for change. And I'll, I'll be honest now and say for anyone who needs to hear this, um, who's, who's after a year-long lockdown and pandemic and has just been working really hard and has had uh, things putting in different directions and hasn't found the boundaries, I'm feeling it now. Uh, I'm feeling it having uh, done the inspire thon 24-hour event in January and having launched 20 Inspire Cities and we've got a, probably another 20 who've come along and asked to, to launch soon too. We've got so much amazing stuff that we want to do and help really drive change. at such an important part of, of mankind really um, and I, I'm I'm knackered. So this will be my last podcast for a while. Um, and I'm going to take turn the turn the phone off for a few days, just all my devices, all my alerts. Um, get into the, my garden of a I'm, house I'm renovating and just literally churn up soil and rake and just totally lose myself in, in manual labor for a few days. So I just think we need to probably say these things and, and that that's the way change happens because it's totally fine to be tired. <laughs> um, but my energy sources always come from other people. I think. People are the greatest source of inspiration, and, and our guest is, is no different. Um, like like a lot, lot of our guests on Inspire Club, um, it's I've been I've been fans of them from from afar for so long. But as anybody knows on social media, you feel like you know somebody and you've never met them. Um, so today I, I get to meet Mike Mike Klein, Mister Internal Communications, Principal of Changing the Terms. Anywhere I, I look. Mike is there, um, he's also a great guy, as you're about to find out on this podcast, and and he's coming all the way from Reykjavik, so Inspire Iceland, has a lovely ring to it, I know it's a, a tourism term, I believe, Mike, but hello and welcome to the Inspire Club. Thank
1: you very much, Matt, I really appreciate the invitation.
0: Well, great great to have you, and how, how is Iceland right now? <laughs> it's really bright and it's
1: really chilly, it's, um, you know... It, it, I was up about four in the morning to let the cats in and because the the cats don't like to be out when it's light and it's light at four in the morning here. And it's going to be, you know, we're heading towards midnight sun in about a month. And it's, you know, it's an it's a different place. I mean, Reykjavik is an extremely pleasant city. It's kind of um, in British terms, it's not that different from, say, a Brighton that's about the same size. Um, similar vibe, lots of culture, lots of, um, you know, good places to eat, lots of water. Um, it's, you know, it's also a place where people speak two languages extremely well. Um, they speak Icelandic to each other and they speak English to the rest of us. And it's interesting to see the dynamic when that happens. I wrote an article on that a couple of years ago. If anybody wants a copy of it, I'll be happy to send the link. Um, but you know, it's, it's also an interesting place to look at what's going on in the world right now, because, um, we don't have a lot of big businesses here alone. We Don't have a lot of big companies and we're also, um, two hours time-wise from, from continental Europe, one hour from, from British time and four hours from the U S East coast. So it's actually kind of a perfect venue for remote working. Um, I'm basically a digital nomad, and you know the storyline is: I'm this digital nomad. I'm on this world famous island with volcanoes and beaches. The only issue is that it may be the only island of that type for a digital nomad, where the beach is colder than the drinks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're doing it, doing it different. I, it's it's a good point. Exactly. Every time I flying over. Would... To, to, to the east coast you know you're always hopping you go over over iceland and it's always been on my on my list to, of places to go and uh, i hope hopefully get, the, get get there and have a chat with you soon so or maybe a beer a cold beer by the sounds of it so um, yeah, very cold beer the beer here is excellent so let, let's get to the first question the the only rule of, of inspire club and that that's um sharing a story of somebody you've worked with who's inspired you along the way
1: there, I'm working on a very interesting project at the moment. It's a um, it's a public private partnership to bring flood protection, permanent flood production to the largest city in the state of North Dakota, um, a city called Fargo, which has been populated on stage popularized on stage and screen, and um, we were working to get funding from the state legislature in North Dakota. And um, I found this public affairs firm in the state capital of Bismarck, which is run by this fellow by the name of Levi Andrest. And he's just been absolutely amazing to work with because he has this kind of encyclopedic knowledge of what's happening between all the different players and all the different um, forces at play in North Dakota. And one of the things that's really interesting about North Dakota is that you know it's got a reputation as a one-party state. It's very Republican, um, but it's not monolithic. You've got different kinds of Republicans. And also, as Levi is want to say, there's two political parties in North Dakota. There's one house of the of the legislature and then there's the other house of the legislature. And You know, my goal at that point was to try to, you know, get, you know, certain pieces of communication out about how um, this project was doing with the voters and things like that. You know, there was a survey, there was a poll. And Levi was just so level-headed and so gracious at the same time when he said, you know, the legislature right now is the only audience that matters to you. Leave it with me. And I just felt at the same time, while I was being told off, if you will, I was also being completely supported by Levi. And that was a really unique and wonderful experience. Um, You know, there was a a real sense of, you know, of team, and we're all in this together, and I'm the guy with the ball right now, and I see um, the goal line ahead. I know you're not supposed to use sports analogies, but I'm using one anyways. And it was like, of course, you're right. I'll let you do it. And things went extremely well in the state legislature. and It was it was um, the level of support and the quality of support that I got from Levi and Amy and everybody on the team. The company's called um, GA, the GA group. And I would recommend them to anybody, basically.
0: So what, what is your why at work? You know, what, what gets you up in the morning in Reykjavik? Well,
1: I mean, what gets me up in the morning, again, to use another sports analogy, is that, you know, I see internal communications, not necessarily as the most important thing in the world or the greatest thing ever, but it's something that I'm reasonably good at. And it affords me the opportunity to make a difference. And I get up every day thinking maybe this is the day that I score the winning goal. Maybe this is the day that I pass the winning pass. Maybe this is the day that what I say or the question I ask shifts something for somebody that gets somebody towards their objectives. That's what really gets me up every day. It's not that I necessarily think that we're more noble than anybody else. I don't consider myself an employee advocate as such. For instance, I believe that, you know, at the end of the day, the organizations that are paying me to support their outcomes deserve my support to the extent that it means having their objectives align with the objectives of employees, align with the objectives of communities, align with ESG goals. Great. But You know, I see my responsibility as being to support the people who for whom I work in achieving their goals. Now, what I do on my own as a thought leader and as an activist and as an agitator um, is more to try to create a better environment in which myself and other internal communications people can operate. Um, So whether it's writing an article, whether it's challenging things, like for right now, I see a total train wreck happening on this issue of hybrid working. And I see internal comms folks going all in and pushing for hybrid and ultra-flexible solutions, which only favor employees, which, you know, I totally understand that people are feeling, you know, a bit beleaguered, a bit, tenuous, they've been working out of their houses, they've been working in very tense and stressed out environments, but employees only win if organizations win. This doesn't mean that all organizations that win take care of their employees, and that's another issue, but it's very rare that an organization that's not winning does a really good job of taking care of their employees, and so we've got to find solutions that a help organizations win relative to their competitors and relative to the larger market, and we need to help organizations. You know, rather we need to help set employee expectations, so that you know the idea that you know I'm going to decide at uh, nine o'clock on Monday morning that I'm going to show up at eleven on Tuesday and my desk is going to be waiting for me, and that there's going to be a meeting room for the team people who. I want to have there to magically be there and have the beating room waiting for them. You know, this is not necessarily the right set of expectations to set. Um, and so, you know, I'm keen not just to create a more favorable environment among people who we work for, but also a better set of expectations so that we can come across as more credible and more contributory to the solutions that we're trying to push.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, it has been a, it's been a strange change, and I think we were talking about uh, having a debate on this actually, because um, I think it has evolved from. I've always been a big advocate of uh, empowering people, giving trusting them, you know, let, let, letting them do the job you've employed them to do, um, and, and that was you know thrust upon employers that didn't behave in that way when the pandemic happened and everybody had to re- work remotely and, and they ha- had to give them the tools, they had to tr- trust them to get on with the job uh, and, and and people have delivered. That was never, I don't think, an, an assumption at that moment in time, a year ago that we wouldn't return to work, The off- return to the offices, sorry, because we've all been working very hard. So I, I don't think it was like, oh, well, we're never going to go back to the office. It was a case of, let's try and improve the working habits uh, and the way leadership treats its people so that them will perform better. So, um, you know, like like most things in life, there's something, there's some sensible middle ground to be made here. You know, full, fully remote doesn't really make sense to me, um, but that's no choice. Um, um, fully back to how it was, um, probably nearer that way makes sense. I see very little middle ground. I see kind of a a polarization.
1: I don't see a middle ground of kind of halfway hybrid airport lounge type airport um, office setups where people come and go as they please. I think you're going to see a lot of what you're seeing at, for example, Kellogg's, where they give employees a half day or one day a week to be wherever they want and do whatever they need to do in return for being physically present for four days a week. And I think that's going to be workable for a lot of people, not necessarily for everybody, but I think people will find ways to make that work. And the nice thing about that setup is that it creates predictability for the employee. It creates predictability for the business and businesses love predictability. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there are maybe 10, 15, 20 percent of the management white-collar workforce that really thrive in remote settings. And there will be enterprises that say, you know what? We can take some huge advantages by going fully remote and by finding this type of person. Um, I call us tribal people, people who identify with organizations, communities, ideas who don't need to be in each other's constant physical presence to be able to perform um and then you you cut out a lot of the real estate costs you cut some of the labor costs cuz you can hire from anywhere um you also probably get a bit of you know employee retention because you know when you create a role that's comfortable in your setting and it doesn't necessarily mean working from home you know you will see a lot more employed people working in co-working set- settings as a result from as a result of this, I'd say probably sixty percent work from office with a bit more flexibility than before the pandemic. Twenty percent hardcore remote, where people get together at conferences rather than the water cooler, and then you'll have some organizations for whom you can create a business model where it makes sense for people to come and go as they please.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think we can forget that. Um... Landlords and all the industry that's built up around office workers, so you know hospitality, uh, restaurants, all those different industries that rely on people going to work. Um, you know, it's it, I think it's quite almost quite careless to just ignore that because uh, if all of a sudden we have half empty buildings in in our cities, then that could cause a lot of other problems in society, um, which would which would actually then trickle down and hit industry and jobs as well. So <laughs> um, we need to be quite mindful of that. I think Manhattan's um, two most uh, office-focused neighbourhoods are 25% down in value. Um, London, I know, there's going to be a lot of office space free and empty. And then those coffee shop owners suddenly are seeing a lot less footfall. And, and that can all, if so, all those landlords start defaulting and all that kind of, all those kind of things start happening, now, then, has knock-on effects everywhere too. So we have to be careful on how we manage this from both both sides of the spectrum. What what do you do to beat stress? What do I do to
1: beat stress? That's a really good question. Um, to a certain extent, I don't. Um, to a certain extent, um, you know, it's it can be a variety of things, ranging from taking a walk to um, having you know, some kind of silly things in my office, like I have a little pig collection and sometimes I just look at the pigs and that kind of (laughs) takes my mind off of things. Um, It just really depends on, you know, what the stress is. I mean, is it just the stress of having too much to do or is it the stress of dealing with contradictory demands from stakeholders or is it the, the stress of needing to get things to happen faster than anybody is willing to um, allow themselves to agree to and you know these are all very different experiences some of them can be easily remedied with a deep breath or um, a less than serious thought others require you know conversations and negotiations and being straight with people
0: yeah very very good advice um deep breath helps me all the time. Uh, I was going to ask you what would you do if all all of those incidents struck at once but I, I don't think we need to even go there. Um, to talking of advice, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever been given? One that resonates. You still still think about it today. It's, it's practical. It's helped you throughout your career.
1: Well... I had a boss, coach, mentor back in the 90s um, who insisted on teaching me. I was running political campaigns at the time, and he insisted on teaching me these very old comments about political campaigns that Abraham Lincoln came up with in 1840. and He called them the Lincoln Rules. And the main thing about these rules is that When you look at them, they don't just have anything, everything to do with political campaigns. They actually have everything to do with anything you're trying to accomplish in an organization or community. And the rules go like this. Make a perfect list of the voters, determine with certainty who they'll support for those who are undecided, someone, someone whom they trust to persuade them, and turn out all the good voters on election day, or more precisely the good Whigs, which was Lincoln's party at the time. And when you think about it from an internal comms or business comms standpoint, making a perfect list of the voters, who are the actual stakeholders who have an influence on the outcome of something? It's not necessarily everybody. It's not necessarily we need to engage everybody because it's the right thing to do. No, you need to engage the people who actually have a stake in the outcome. B, um, determining with certainty whom they'll support in the corporate world you assume because you're giving someone a paycheck that they'll do what you tell them to do but we know that's not the case you know we talked you know, there's whole books about resistance in organizations these books wouldn't be written if if this idea that you did what you told was actually true so um determining with certainty whom everybody will support is a real thing even in the business world And then for someone who is undecided, send someone in whom they trust to persuade them. This is the single biggest failure area of corporate communication. I mean, if you see failures in corporate communication, I would say a majority of them have to do with failure to adopt this principle. You have companies sending the spokespeople that they trust instead of who the recipients trust, instead of who the audience trusts. If you've got a you know, tenuous labor situation, do you communicate through your CFO or do you communicate through the union leadership? You'll get very different results from, from either of those approaches. And then finally, turning out the good voters, the good wigs on election day. Organizations spend so much time and energy mobilizing their opposition because they feel they have a right to, that they have to, that it's morally wrong or that, as we said, everybody will do what they're told to do on the end of the day. And effective internal communications is really about getting the people who are going to contribute to participate and not necessarily activating those who have other intentions.
0: Um, amazing. Uh, I, I always think when I hear people reference uh, President Lincoln, how on earth did this man have so much wisdom? Because there are so many <clears throat> line, <clears throat> line statements that are, are, that come from him, <clears throat> excuse me, that are so relevant still today. And I hadn't even heard the Lincoln rules. So <laughs> uh, that is just another amazing am- amount of wisdom that has come, has come from him. Um, I love the idea of communicating to people that the recipients trust, not who you trust. Uh, for somebody who's been in comms for a long time. Um, that's something I hadn't really ever considered, actually. Um, so thank thank you very much for for um for sharing that wisdom with me today. I'll really to keep keep that in mind everything with everything I do moving forward. Um, so thank you very much. No pleasure. If you could swap jobs with anybody for a day, who would you swap with?
1: Swapping jobs with anybody for a day um there are so many places i could go with this one most of which would get me in no serious trouble (laughs) okay let's try to avoid that (laughs) you know i mean certain political leaders in the world are at the top of the list but i will take political leaders off the list and i would say um
0: I need to think about this one. Okay, okay. Well, cu- let's cu- let's come back to that. We'll go through some uh, some quick fire questions around Mike and, and and personal life. So, are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Awesome. Um, what's your favorite album? Um, and what's uh, a go to song that you put on that helps fire you up and gets you motivated? Um, Utopia is just one planet. No, uh, no 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 you
1: me it's oops wrong planet and the song is just one victory awesome okay
0: okay that that's going to go on our playlist
1: and uh one additional song which actually uses my theme song is sandstorm by Darude.
0: oh uh, okay well that's it. that well, i think you might be the first person to get tuned to the inspire list on spotify so uh Darude's sandstorm is an absolute belter of a song <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um, but, but uh as I always say, when I'm lucky to be hosting the, the podcast, I'm going to have to go listen to that as soon as we finish. Um, uh, so what, what's one of the funniest things that's happened to you of late?
1: Well, I was walking on the beach here in Reykjavik with my wife. And um, yeah, but Reykjavik, Reykjavik's a beautiful city. And it's very well situated and there's beaches and water everywhere. And because Iceland is a kind of a homogenous country of 350,000, they, you know, they, they've, they've taken in some immigrants. But by and large, the, the native population is, you know, the, 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 genetic pop, the genetic makeup is fairly closed. People look really similar to each other. And so um, my wife was talking with this lady and they were talking about their kids. They knew each other, um, their kids were friends. They're talking about um, their respective conversations. Um, my stepson is half Pakistani and so we opted for a non-religious confirmation at this stage, wanted to give him a, a bit of flexibility in terms of his own choices. Um, the other lady was talking about the church confirmation that she was having for his kids. and. Um, my wife introduced me as, you know, my husband being a Jew from Chicago, um, you know, has his own views on the subject. And we walked about 30, 40 meters away and said, you said, you knew who that was, don't you? And I said, no. He says, oh, that was the prime minister. Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. How, how that's that's that's, that's fantastic that, that that even could take place and 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 also not to know, even know about it as well, to, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> how good's that? Um, awesome. So, going round for dinner ne- next week with the prime minister of Iceland, or no, but <laughs> the ch- ch-
1: chances are I will probably meet her in a social setting between now and the end of the year. She is following me on Twitter, and that's a relatively rare phenomenon her, her followers versus followees are about a 10 to 1 split so
0: yeah they, that as as they always are um that's fantastic what a that's not just that's not funny that's just amazing story so um happy, happy days um what's one of those household chores that you always try and leave to last so somebody else does it that's a really good question around here because it's such a long list
1: uh um I think they're all equal equally bad, <laughs> equally good equally <laughs> equally indifferent I mean there, there there's none that I particularly
0: despise. okay all right well, lucky lucky uh, family that, that you, you, you do them all as well or as equally as each other. um no we don't well. do them as equal as each other I just do them equally badly <laughs> um. Favorite film, and this isn't necessarily the best film ever made, but that could be it, could be your favorite film, but the one you can just put on and watch. Godfather. One. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Um and and one, okay. Um what's something you'll do but have never done again? (laughs) What's something that I would do and
1: never do again? Um There are a couple things on that list. I would say drinking a bottle of mezcal would be pretty much at the top of that list.
0: Yeah. I imagine that would be, (laughs)
1: Uh, that was something that I did in college and, you know, I I remember it, but just vaguely. (laughs) Um, What else would I do? What I, well, I think another thing is, you know, taking a role really without you know some deep conversations with the various people involved yeah um that was that was you know that was something i did a few years ago and it ended up being um a far from entertaining experience and i think you know, having been in you know having been independent for the last you know most of the last four or five years i'm not saying i would never take an in-house role but it, there there's got to be meaning of the minds and there's got to be a configuration of resources that'll allow for a successful um a successful situation
0: yeah i i I agree and i'm actually first person to to mention a role and i I, i'm amazed it hasn't come up before um on this question um because yeah that's I imagine quite a bit a specific role could be quite a big regret for a lot of people um my, one of my one of my funniest roles i took that the only only time i resigned within a month um before i started my own business was I came i'd come back from australia uh back to england and i was looking to live in London for about two years uh, and i won't bore people with the ins and outs of it but i took a job and i hadn't really done too much investigation but ended up being in the team i was in or the the practice i was in there was 30 women and two men and that's not that doesn't that's not a problem in itself but the 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 other other person was called matt and he was sat they sat me next to the other matt and the matt was the accountant uh for the team um in in a bunch of communicators so basically every time somebody said matt maybe one in a hundred it was for me (laughs) and i went this just this just, this just isn't going to work, so <laughs> I um I bailed quite you soon. Need, you after. needed a nickname. Yeah, I needed a nickname, which I try to get in there, but it you can't if having having had a nickname that's stuck, it's you're given the nickname. You can't give yourself the nickname. So <laughs> no, that's no. also true. I've tried that trick before. So everybody was amazing, but I went. This just isn't going to work. So yeah, I was I I was gone. Um. Best place in the world you visited, and you could be living there right now, and if you could be anywhere in the world right now, where, where would you be? Well, the
1: best place I visited, actually, um, I mean, I visited some great places, but there's really two standouts. One is, um, and these are places that people don't normally visit, because otherwise it's not really worth mentioning. One is Bariloche in Argentina, so that's the big ski resort in Argentina, and it's just this fusion of history and culture and circumstances and natural beauty um, and outstanding um, cuisine. And it's all pretty reasonable all in one place. It's about a two hour flight from Buenos Aires. It's it's not, you know, you you really need to want to go there. Uh, But it's literally the Alps. The place is called Bariloche. It's basically the Alps in South America. Yeah,
0: okay, wow. And then the other
1: place, which is the place that I want to get back to the most, but I've just never really figured out how to organize the timing because it's um, a bit hard to get to, and that's Sarajevo in Bosnia. Um, Sarajevo, people still think there's a war going on there, but the war actually ended about 30 years ago. And the city looks like a love child between Prague and Istanbul. I mean, the architecture there is off the charts. You know, Central European, Islamic, communist, um, all in the same place, and there's really nothing else like it. And the food is great, and it's absolutely piss cheap.
0: That's that's what a description. Uh, Love child between Prague and Istanbul, that that really paints a picture. and makes me want to go. Um, uh, thank you so much. And, and last question. Uh, and thank you for, albeit a, uh, uh, a unique interview, um, conversation for the first time in Spy Club. What, who do you think we should go try and secure as a guest for a future episode? Three of the most, I'm going to
1: come up with three. Three of the most interesting people in the space right now who don't get a lot of airtime on this side of the, you know, kind of in the English action world. One is Alejandro Formanchuk. He is the, um, you know, really the driving force behind internal communication in the Spanish speaking world. Um, There's a fellow by the name of Christopher Wade, who is head of global internal comms for ADECO, which is the big um, employment agency company. Also, an extremely interesting guy. And um, trying to think who else. Who doesn't return my phone calls? Who I would <laughs> love to hear from.
0: <laughs> That's a great way of thinking about it.
1: <laughs> Probably Susan Kelly, who's the head of internal comms at Syngenta
0: awesome thank you so much well if we're able to get one of them we'll be very very lucky indeed um and thank you mike um for everything that you do um for being very cool kind open to talk and and, and- coming up with some very cool ideas that hopefully we can make a reality in the next 12 months as well. So um, uh, yeah, M- Mike and I have been knocking some ideas back and forth. So hopefully that that, that can we, that you'll see what they look like in the next, uh, yeah, 12 months or so. Um, thanks to everybody that's listening. You, you make it what it is. And thanks again, Mike. Speak soon. You go.